The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Total Career Success with Ken and Cheryl Dawson. The mission of this radio show is to enable every listener to achieve their career aspirations and advance their careers to achieve their potential and meet their financial goals. Now, here are your hosts, Ken and Cheryl Dawson. Welcome. Ken and Cheryl here with Kim Cameron, author of Positive Leadership Strategies for Extraordinary Performance. The recession has put high demands on leaders and workers in virtually every organization, small and large. Uncertainty, reduced revenues, layoffs, organizational changes, and increased workloads have enormous pressure, have put enormous pressure on relationships, performance, and organizational planning. Our guest today has studied how positive leadership can transform an organization in the toughest of situations and economies. Stay tuned for insights into how you can achieve extraordinary performance by being a positive leader. Before we begin, I want to remind everyone of our seven free videos that will help you get a better job, better life, and uh, or better pay and a better life. And to access these free videos, simply go to www.betterjobbetterlife.com. Now, let me just uh, take a moment to introduce Kim Cameron. He is Professor of Management and Organization in the Ross School of Business and Professor of Higher Education at the University of Michigan. Dr. Cameron's research has been published in more than 120 scholarly articles and in 13 books, including Positive Leadership. He is a co-founder of the Center for Positive Organizational Scholarship. Dr. Cameron received his uh, master's and Ph.D. degrees from Yale University and was a Fulbright Distinguished Scholar. He currently consults with and teaches executive programs for a variety of business, government, and educational organizations internationally. Welcome, Kim. Thank you very much, Cheryl. And, Ken, it's uh, delightful to be with you. I appreciate very much the chance to talk to you. Well, we appreciate uh, having you with us, and uh, as I mentioned to you uh, just before the show, we have uh, good friends that have spent quite a bit of time where you are in the beautiful Caribbean, so uh, thank you very much for joining us. Well, we, have, we, we owe you special thanks to be calling in when you're getting ready for your daughter's wedding. Did you say it's going to be tomorrow? It's going to be tomorrow. That's right. This is a beautiful place to have a wedding. Wow, I'll bet it is, and we're honored that you would take time to be with us today. I know that you have a lot of interesting things to share with our audience. What led you to research positive leadership? You know, I was studying, uh, Cheryl and Ken, the phenomena of organizational downsizing. You began by saying that we're in a difficult economic situation. That's not news to anybody. Well, for the last 15 years, I've been studying what happens to organizations when they downsize. The answer to that question is 80 or uh, between 80 and 90% of the time, organizations deteriorate in performance. 
And that's sort of just a very common occurrence. Now, if you lay people off, if you cut uh, uh, resources, uh, by and large, things go south. But that still leaves uh, 15 or 20 percent of organizations that tend to flourish after downsizing. And I became interested after a dozen years or so in trying to understand the difference between organizations that were flourishing and organizations that were deteriorating after facing very difficult economic situations. Well, the answer to that question, as it turns out, is something I've referred to as positive leadership or we sometimes refer to as an abundance culture or an abundance mentality that exists in the organization. That is, they pursue their future in a very different way than standard normal organizations. That led me to this field that we've called positive organizational scholarship because positive practices, sometimes I even refer to them as virtuous practices, exist in organizations that flourish in difficult times and do not exist in normal or most organizations. Kim, that's fascinating. Um, our book, Job Search, a Total System, focuses on uh, the individual primarily, but I'm um, listening to the parallels that you have stated between organizations and what we have found to be the same parallels with individuals. What we're saying to people is that being laid off or being downsized really causes you to reach down, find out what you're made of, and if you will follow Job Search Total System, you will have better job, better pay, better life, simply because you're able to identify your skills, your talents, your abilities, all you've done, all you have, all you have for the future, and the same things that are happening with our individuals are exactly the same things I'm hearing in your research with organizations. That's exactly right, Ken. In fact, I love your work because it parallels very uh, similarly, uh, very closely, the things we're finding that occur in organizations. Of course, Flourishing as an individual is different than flourishing in organizations. You can have a team, for example, full of great talent, great uh, leaders, uh, or rather great talented individuals, and have the team not win. Most of us know in professional athletics, for example, that the team that spends the most money on athletes isn't always the one that wins the World Series or the NFL championship or something because there needs to be dynamics in the organization or in the team that supplement those of the individual. But if you take the principles that you and Cheryl have written about, Ken, and then begin applying them at the collective level, that is, for example, in an organization, institutionalizing uh, practices such as compassionate uh, service or forgiveness of um, harm or difficult situations or fostering um, collective gratitude or celebrating strengths and that which goes right rather than just feedback constantly on that which doesn't, and so on. Now, I can talk more specifically about those practices, but that's not rocket science, but it's very uncommon in organizations to have the organization itself actually institutionalize, for example, gratitude. So we all know that's kind of a good principle, but when things get tough, when uh, the, the resources become tight, the thing we normally do is begin worrying about problems becoming deficit-based uh, in, our, in our strategies 
rather than celebrating that which goes right and uh, focusing on the positive. Well, we we love that term, accentuating the positive. So <laughs> it can right. be a drumbeat in an organization, but not in a way that's Pollyanna. I like the um, the way you kind of present the concept as positively deviant. Would you explain for our listeners why you um, why you term it that way, and what are the drivers that an organization faces from a financial and investor standpoint that really cause it to be something that's deviant or different? You bet. Let me describe the concept of positive deviance first. Think of a line. If I draw a line on a piece of paper, I call that a continuum. On the left-hand side, I would refer to that as, and we'll call the line a deviance continuum. Now, in English, deviance normally has a negative connotation. If I call you a deviant, that's normally a criticism. But think of the left-hand side of that line as representing negative deviance. The middle is representing normal. The right-hand side representing positive deviance. So negative deviance, for example, in terms of health, would be illness uh, or, or difficulty or injury. The middle part of the continuum would indicate um, normal health. Uh, I'm, I'm doing fine. The right-hand side might indicate uh, not only good physical health, but it might indicate Olympic fitness levels, so the ability to run a Ironman competition or be able to do 400 push-ups or have 5% body fat or something. That is extraordinarily positive physical health. Okay, well, 90% of all medical research focuses on the left-hand side of that continuum. That is, we study heart disease and diabetes and the common cold. As soon as people are in the middle or normal, then we stop studying them. The same for psychology, the same for leadership, the same for business. For the most part, almost everything we know in our research is focused on the left-hand side of that deviance continuum. But we know on the right-hand side that there are positively deviant, extraordinary, sometimes almost unbelievably successful individuals and people. Much less research focuses on the right-hand side. The reason for that is that, by definition, all organizations exist to eliminate deviance. That's a truism. That is, the reason we organize is to get rid of unexpected, aberrant, non-normal behavior. Normally, we think about that as mistakes or errors or deficits, or in other words, negative deviance. So organizing uh, as an activity, by definition, eliminates deviance. We eliminate negative deviance, but unfortunately, we also eliminate positive deviance, or in other words, the opportunity to be extraordinary, because, in fact, we have to break the rules sometimes to get that way. We're not just the same as always. So we're focusing our research on what happens if you actually focus on abundance gaps or the right-hand side of that continuum. And we've discovered a number of predictors that help organizations become extraordinary. Now, um, I, can, I, I can probably talk more about that, and I will right now, but I'm not sure of your timing. I know you need to take a break, so let's make sure we get the break in, and then I'll explain some of those factors. Okay. Kim, before, we, before we get the break, um, uh, we have um, – let me share with you something that's fascinating to me. Uh, my background is in OD, and I've been teaching management development organization development for 40 years. Many, many years ago, I did an experiment with uh, General Telephone Electronics, GTE, uh, and I worked with managers and executives, and I used to have a 
system that I call the radio dial effect, and it had to do with uh, the same kind of things you're talking about. The only two variables were assertiveness and aggressiveness. If you think of a radio dial effect, the left-hand side is assertiveness, the right-hand side is aggressiveness, and you have 1 to 10 in terms of how effective can you be in this particular situation. And that's exactly what you're saying. It's not always what most people say about how assertive or aggressive you need to be. Oftentimes you need to be much more aggressive in certain situations and much less aggressive in others. And that's exactly what we teach our clients and how we teach them to succeed in interviewing and negotiating, getting better job, better pay, better life, and then to double, triple, or quadruple their compensation package. It's a fascinating process, and that's exactly the same thing you're talking about. That's exactly. You know, there's this interesting set of research down. I'll, I'll give you just one quick study. By a psychologist, Jenny Crocker, she took, uh, this is a study of freshmen who entered the University of Michigan. She simply asked them, to identify the goals that they had uh, for the next year. Now, everyone has lots of goals, and they, but she categorized those goals into two different types. One she called uh, achievement goals or proving goals. In other words, I want to achieve or get something and prove my competence. The other kind were called contribution goals. I want to make a difference uh, in, with, with somebody else or in something else. Now, everybody has both kinds, but some people are dominated by one and some are dominated by the other. And so she simply categorized people in those two groups, those dominated by achievement goals, those dominated by contribution goals. Then she followed these people for the next year. That is uh, studying, for example, grade point average, the number of uh, days they missed because of illness, uh, tardiness and absenteeism, um, the kind of physical health symptoms they had, how many colds they got, how many days of feeling low or depressed or blue. They have studied the relationships they had with roommates, how many days of conflict and so on. And as you might expect, contribution goals trumped significantly proving or achievement goals. That's simply an illustration of one principle that you can apply in an organization, that is contribution, giving, as opposed to getting. Now, that's not rocket science. We sort of all know that. But as it turns out, that notion of contribution, caring for somebody else, providing support, it has been shown to be um, uh, much more positive and much more influential than almost any other factor. For example, um, what we've discovered is if I'm admitted into a hospital by a person with whom I have a supporting, loving relationship, I come out twice as fast as if I'm admitted into a hospital mm -hmm. by a person with whom I have a conflicting relationship. As it turns out, the amount of prostate cancer in males is half. It's, it's um, just one-half what it is in others when they're in loving, supportive relationships. They get fewer heart attacks. People get fewer heart attacks. They recover faster, and so on. Now, the question is, why is that? And as it turns out, the research suggests the reason for that is not that we're loved, supportive, get, a, get our needs met when we're in a loving relationship. Rather, it is that we are supporting, loving, caring for somebody else. That research was done by a person named Stephanie Brown at Michigan that dis who discovered that it's the contribution part of the relationship. It's what you give, not just having your needs met, feeling comfortable, having other people care for you, 
Yeah. All right. Well, we're, we're going to have to take a little break here, Kim, but when we get back, we've got more to share, so stay tuned. Thank you. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you dissatisfied with your current job or not earning what you need or deserve? If you're looking for a better job with better pay to enjoy a better life, go to BetterJobBetterLife.com and get our seven free videos that will jumpstart your future starting today. We'll teach you how to create a cycle of success with the right mindset and plan of action. Get the interview you want with a world-class resume. Make your references work for you and beat the competition. Network your way into the hidden job market for better jobs and faster placement. Research more effectively. The key to more job leads, stronger interviews, and higher pay. Turn your interview into an offer-winning performance. Get the money now by negotiating from strength. Thousands have successfully used our proven techniques to make their dream job or career a reality. So grab our seven free videos that will transform your career. Go to BetterJobBetterLife.com. Income Property Investment Talk with Peter Mosca and Dean Issa provides homeowners and investors eager to invest well in real estate the knowledge, resources, and tools necessary to generate significant wealth. Our focus will be the paradigm. Live where you want. Invest where it makes the most sense. Listen live to the brightest minds in real estate investment every Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. That's Income Property Investment Talk with Peter Mosca and Dean Issa, where America learns to invest. Wielding power, shaping environments and outcomes, and making things happen are all essential characteristics of great leaders. Yet these qualities alone are not enough to ensure your success. In a complex world, how do you decide what's most important to you? In your career, your relationships, your finances, your family, in the world around you, in the whole of your life at large. Dr. Joseph Riggio, the host of Leadership Intuition, says that personal leadership, the desire to take charge of your life, is the key to creating futures that work and building a life worth living. Join Joseph as he reveals the power of uncovering and living your own personal mythology, the key to personal transformation, exquisite performance, and social influence. Learn to look inside and discover your personal mythology and unique leadership style. Go beyond conventional advice and discover your unique success blueprint on Leadership Intuitions with Dr. Joseph Riggio each Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Leadership Intuitions, power, achievement, relationships. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Total Career Success with Ken and Cheryl Dawson. Do you have a question or comment for the host about today's show? Please send an email to tcsonair at tcsworldwide.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. Ken and Cheryl here with Kim Cameron, and we're talking about positive leadership and the impact it can have for extraordinary performance. And I really like that concept of the continuum, uh, which, again, um, 
is very consistent with a continuum. When we present in the total system, we relate it to the interviewing process where everything you say during an interview is either negative or positive. And when you make sure that you're prepared, you can focus on the positive. And in a similar way, organizations can be focusing on the positive side of the continuum. And you actually present four keys to positive leadership just to set the stage, Kim, because we're going to talk about each, what are those four areas? Those four areas really are just clumps or categories of variety of practices, but one has to do with fostering a positive climate. Positive climate simply means that positive emotions trump negative emotions, that uh, people by and large have positive affect as opposed to negative affect. The second is creating, generating positive relationships, that is, relationships that flourish and foster the opportunity to to display strengths. That's not only in uh, long-term relationships, but actually sometimes I refer to those as simply high-quality connections, or in other words, individual interactions, even though it may last 10 or 15 seconds, those can be positive and flourishing. A third uh, has to do with fostering positive communication, or in other words, help uh, uh, communication that energizes and uplifts people. And a fourth has to do with in work. Um, That is the opportunity to feel like I'm making a difference, creating a legacy, having uh, an impact that matters to me. Those are the four categories of practices that uh, I've used in this positive leadership book just to identify Actually, just some non-normal practices. The positive leadership book really was written not so much to duplicate what's in the, what, I think 550,000 books on Amazon that have leadership in the title. Uh, We don't need one more of them, but this little positive leadership book was written primarily simply to say there are some practices, some um, tools and techniques that are not normal, but that have big impact. And those are often ones that we uh, we sort of know exist. Well, uh, I agree with you. There are tons of books out there on leadership, some good, some bad, uh, and some great. But um, I would like to just say that the Positive Leadership book uh, is excellent uh, because it does focus on some areas that are not as well un- understood. Even as you said, um, they might seem simplistic on the face of it. Actually applying them is something different. And it's not just about theory. It really provides some specific tools to help leaders achieve extraordinary performance. And so I'd like to start with your last recommendation on the, on the importance of having positive meaning for achieving high performance. And you differentiate right. meaning in three categories, uh, work um, as a job, work as a career, or work as a calling. Can you explain what the difference is between those three and how they impact um, ultimately your performance? Absolutely. The work originally is based on some uh, research done by a young woman who got her Ph.D. at the University of Michigan, Amy Wisniewski. Uh, There have been several other studies that have uh, found essentially the same kinds of outcomes and the same kinds of categories. So let me talk about that research first, and then I'll tell you about the outcomes. In this work, in this research, um, people were simply asked to identify the meaning they attach to work. Some number of people define their work as a job, 
And that's the word used in the research. A job simply means I've got the assignment, I know what I'm supposed to do, uh, uh, I'll do it, given a, uh, an incentive system that I care about. So incentive, um, so uh, uh, the job is simply defined as a set of tasks. I have no particular emotional or personal commitment in getting the work done, uh, but I'll do it. So the question then arises, well, how do you manage people who simply define their work as a job? I'll flip that hamburger. I'll uh, clean up the room. I'll do my assigned responsibility because I need a paycheck. And as it turns out, that's the hint from how you manage those people, primarily through financial capital. That is, when people define their work as a job, what they would simply need is a paycheck and benefits. That leads to compliance, or in other words, people, in fact, will follow through if you give them a paycheck and you give them the assignment and, then, and you're very clear about the job responsibility. Okay, that's category one. Some number of people in this research define their work as a career. That's the word used in the research. A career means I want to move up, I want title, I want prestige, I want to become the boss, I want to grow, I want to learn, I want challenge want opportunities to stretch my capabilities. Well, the question is, how do you manage those people who define their work as a career? Answer, social and intellectual capital. That is, provide opportunities to work around people uh, with whom they enjoy working, that they can flourish with, provide opportunities to grow or learn new things, uh, job challenge, opportunities to expand, and, of course, promotion opportunities, chances to move up, or maybe chances to move to other, uh, other places, like, for example, foreign assignments where you can grow and learn and expand talents. That creates commitment. So it's not hard. In fact, most of us kind of know about those strategies as we think about helping our employees flourish and do well in our organizations. We provide career development opportunities, maybe coaching and counseling, you know, um, opportunities for job challenge, job enrichment or job expansion, sometimes even uh, opportunities to have personal mentors and so on. <clears throat> All right. The third category they've discovered in this research uh, is something referred to as a calling. Some people refer, uh, some people refer to their work as a calling. Mean, that's the word used in the research. Meaning, this work has far more importance to me than just my own personal reward. There's something that exceeds in importance my, the benefits that I receive as a human being. So it makes a difference to humankind. The impact lasts beyond my lifetime. If I uh, perform well, there will be a legacy created that other people will benefit from. There will be a, a ripple effect, potentially, where if something I initiate occurs, it will repeat, repeat and repeat and repeat. Question is, how do you manage those people? And the answer is something we refer to as ideological capital. Ideological capital really has to do with connecting the work with profound purpose, with the impact on human beings, and so on. Now, if you... If ideological capital is strong, then you get devotion. You get people who you can't, uh, you can't get them out of that organization with a pitchfork. Okay, now there are two or three things that are important about this research. One is, if ideological capital is strong enough 
if that intent, if that meaning, profound purpose and meaning, is clear and strong enough, people are actually willing to trade off the other two. That is financial capital and social and intellectual capital. For example, we have people going to help tsunami victims or rebuilding New Orleans or going to help the Haitian uh, earthquake victims and so on, not working around people they particularly like, not earning much money, not feeling like that they're um, uh, growing personally or getting any stature or prestige, but rather because the ideological capital is so profound and so strong. Now, if you have an organization that does well in all three areas, that is, they do a good job of managing financial capital, they do a good job of managing social capital and intellectual capital, and they do a good job in ideological capital development, then you get profound, extraordinary, maybe we would refer to as positively deviant performance. The trouble is, in the research, organizations, by and large, are not very good at managing the ideological capital. At least not very many organizations are very good at managing ideological capital. So that's just one of the ways in which you can think about creating positive meaning in an organization, which in turn, of course, leads to performance. Well, I like to think that meaning is the real heart of it. And when we work with our clients, uh, Kim, and as they transition to bigger and better opportunities or they're looking for career advancement, we always want to get to their passion. And through the assessments that we work with them, we help them to see where they can really have that kind of devotion, that kind of passion, so that they can achieve not only the financial rewards, but also their dreams. So when we get back, we're going to talk more about the other elements that can help you achieve your extraordinary performance. Stay tuned. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you dissatisfied with your current job or not earning what you need or deserve? If you're looking for a better job with better pay to enjoy a better life, go to betterjobbetterlife.com and get our seven free videos that will jumpstart your future starting today. We'll teach you how to create a cycle of success with the right mindset and plan of action. Get the interview you want with a world-class resume. Make your references work for you and beat the competition. Network your way into the hidden job market for better jobs and faster placement. Research more effectively. The key to more job leads, stronger interviews, and higher pay. Turn your interview into an offer-winning performance. Get the money now by negotiating from strength. Thousands have successfully used our proven techniques to make their dream job or career a reality. So grab our seven free videos that will transform your career. Go to BetterJobBetterLife.com. 
Zoomed Leadership. It's the big picture issues of the day, up close and personal capabilities of leadership, and a desirable future of constant renewal. Zoomed Leadership. It's the economic crisis made clear, patterns and perspectives of leadership, and the importance of changing the way we pursue our future. Join host John Schmidt every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time. Zoomed Leadership. An inside look at what's really going on in business, government, and civil society. Tune in every week on the Voice America Business Channel. Do you want to know what's really going on these days? Well, Capital Thinking takes you inside the worlds of policy, politics, law, and business. What happens in Washington, on Wall Street, and in our nation's legal system impacts your business every day. We're taking you on a behind-the-scenes tour of all of it. Each week, we bring you unfiltered conversation with a variety of influential policymakers, lawyers, and business leaders. I'm Kevin O'Neill, and I'm your host as Capital Thinking tours the halls of power. Join me for Capital Thinking on the Voice America Business Network each Thursday at noon Eastern and 9 a.m. Pacific Time. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Listening to Total Career Success with Ken and Cheryl Dawson. Do you have a question or comment for the hosts about today's show? Please send an email to TCS on air at TCSWorldwide.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. Ken and Cheryl here with Kim Cameron, and we're talking about the impact of positive leadership on performance. And in the last segment, we uh, set the groundwork for meaning and how important it is to build in the uh, calling aspect or the passion of one's work um, in order to create the positive leadership and the, and the performance. Kim, did you want to say anything else about the... Uh... You know, I'm, thank you, Cheryl. I'm, I'm happy to be guided by your questions. I tend okay. to be too wordy, and right. you and Ken can help keep me on track. All right. Well, great. Well, I know Ken had a question for you. Ken, um, it was not so much a question, Kim, as it was kind of tying it all together for our listeners. Many of our listeners are folks we've known for months now and some for years who listen to our show regularly, and, and we always try to tie everything uh, our guests are saying back to uh, achieving better job, better pay, better life, and they're saying, boy, I'm really working on that, and I'm reading Job Search at Total System. Uh, what, and and Kim, my big question is this. We've done about 75 shows now, and with every radio guest, we're fascinated. We're always intrigued and fascinated by the scholarly uh, information and the backgrounds of our own. And the parallels between what we're saying and what you're saying are so significant. But our focus is to help literally millions of people around the world achieve better job, better pay, better life. And we have found it can be done. All you have to do is follow the system. And oftentimes we're wondering what additional help can we give them or what additional information can we share with them that will cause them to say, wow, I can do it too. Your thoughts on that? Um, You know, excuse me, there's hardly ever a time in life it's more difficult than when you lose a job because all of us know that we're more than just the title we have in our employed employment organization, but when people lose that identity and when they lose the opportunity actually to contribute at all, it becomes a really devastating experience. So there's no minimizing that. 
We've discovered, however, an interesting phenomena that uh, is uh, relevant to that condition. I'm going to describe the research, I'll do it quickly, and then the prescription. The research is done for originally done, and it's been repeated several times, in a class of students. So, for example, let's say that all the listeners are, are my MBA students at the University of Michigan in a business school class. I would say to the class, your job this semester is to keep a journal. I want you to write in your journal every single day. Half the class I would assign to keep uh, in their journal to keep track of the three best things that happened to them today. Or in other words, I want you to write down, I would say, write down three things for which you're grateful. The other half of the class, I would say, I just want you to write down three events neutral, or an, or three things that are frustrating, you wish hadn't happened, things for which you're not grateful. So now I have half the class in what I refer to as a gratitude journal condition, and half the class in a, in a neutral, or in some cases a negative uh, journal condition. Then at the end of the semester, three months later, I'm going to do several experiments. One is I'll give everybody a flu shot. At the end of seven days, I can test for the number of antibodies in people's systems, and there's a significant difference. The people in the gratitude uh, journal condition are healthier. They have more um, antibodies in their system than the others. I give them a creativity task. That is trying to identify, well, a normal creativity task is think of all the things you can use a ping pong ball for or a brick or a, a cup. The people in the gratitude condition have more ideas and a broader variety of ideas than the others. That is, they're more mental acuity. I test, for example, for heart rhythms. Your heart rhythms are in better condition at the end of that three months. That is, your body is, works to a better, better extent. I, I've got little slides to show this, but to a better extent than uh, those in the non-gratitude condition. I actually, if you carry this over a p several period of uh, several years, I can test, for example, for cardiovascular fitness, even the age of your heart muscle. And it's younger than your physical body. In other words, there are lots of physiological uh, effects that I can get from that gratitude condition. Now, that's not putting. That's not asking you to lose 20 pounds. That I, not, that's not asking you to go out and train for a marathon. It's simply putting people in a gratitude condition once a day over an extended period of time. All right, prescription. Even though things get tough, even though it is very difficult to be without work, a gratitude condition helps everything get better, everything meaning your physiological health and, of course, the mental and emotional strength you have. It also creates or is related to, correlated with, something we refer to as positive energy, and we'll talk about that later. Well, uh, that exactly uh, is consistent with our cycle of success, and uh, we talked about how we emphasize the positive and looking on the bright side is, is very key to that. So really what you've been talking about, Kim, is creating that positive climate. And you can do that in organizations as well as the individual doing that for them success. Another common way to look at it is, you know, people say success generates more success, you know, or builds on success. And uh, exactly you know, we right. see that happening all the time. I have a friend who's a CEO who has decided to try to translate this, this in his organization because he's so convinced of the research that backs up the impact. So he starts every single meeting 
with having people identify what's gone well, but not only do they verbalize it, they actually keep a log, a journal, or, or keep track of it. They write it down so that they have an ongoing, essentially, uh, organization or, or unit, business unit, journal of the, thing, of the successes, the positive things that are going on. He also is a prescription. He asks all of his senior leaders, these are the top 30 people in the company, their assignment every single day is to positively embarrass somebody else. That is, identify something that's a compliment, that's a um, pat on the back, something that will positively embarrass somebody. And as it turns out, there are dramatic stories of what's, of what's beginning to emerge out of that organization. It's a prudential real estate company. Uh, but um, the, the notion is all of these very simple practices, they're not revolutionary, but when applied at a collective scale or in an organization, end up having actual uh, impacts. I can talk more about the research we're doing. Actual impacts on profitability, productivity, quality, and so on. It's just amazing how those um, those small things—the compassion, the forgiveness, the gratitude—how those, as you say, actually change what happens in your body. So it's it's something that uh, really does build upon itself. And uh, exactly. another aspect um, that you talk about a lot in positive leadership is positive relationships. And these are all kind of tied together, aren't they, Kim? They absolutely are. It's not, um, it's not surprising to know that if I'm doing better, if I'm, a, for example, if I'm in a gratitude state or if I can keep myself positive, that's going to have an impact on those around me. All of us know that there are people we sometimes get around that just suck all the energy out of us. We refer to those sometimes as de-energizing people. We've been doing research, as it turns out, on energy, something we refer to as positive energy. And so, for example, if I interact with Ken or Cheryl, uh, a question I ask myself is, what's ha- what happens to me? Am I uplifted, elevated, are they life-giving? Or the exhausting, depleting uh, negative. Uh, that is, they dep- deplete my life forces. In the first case, they would be positive energizers. In the second case, they would be de-energizers. Well, here's what we've discovered in our in our research: people, individuals who are positive energizers for others are higher performers in their organizations. You'd expect that. That is, they do better, and the unit they manage does better. As it turns out, if I'm a positive energizer, you compare my, the extent to which I'm a positive energizer with the extent to which I'm influential, can measure that, or I'm at the hub or center of an in, of a information network. So even though I'm the most knowledgeable person, even though I'm the most influential person, you compare the impact of those two factors on positive energy. Positive energy is four times more important in predicting performance than is my position as an influencer or as a knowledge expert. We manage communication, knowledge, information all the time. We manage power, decision-making, influence all the time. Question is, in organizations, to what extent are we really managing positive energy? Answer, not very often. And yet, positive energy trumps information and influence by a factor of four. Plus, we've discovered organizations that are high-performing, positively deviant organizations, have three times energizers as normal organizations. In other words, 
it becomes a collective uh, attribute of organizations when they flourish that more people are positive energizers than normal. Now, as it turns out, positive energy is not a personality factor. It's not charisma. It's not just being gregarious or an extrovert. It's a set of behaviors that can be developed. We talk a bit about that in the Positive Leadership book, and, of course, Ken and Cheryl talk about that a lot in their own work. Well, we've, uh, we've, I think we've pinpointed a, no- a number of ways that leaders can create a positive climate through the compassion, forgiveness, gratitude, and we've indicated how important the positive energy is to kind of um, uh, keep that, uh, that, that climate moving in the right direction, so to speak. Getting back to the meaning concept, just we have just one minute before the break, Kim. I wanted you to talk a little bit about the vision of abundance in order to tap into people's, um, you know, fulfillment or calling. Sure. The, the, um, back to the continuum about uh, the deviance continuum. If you think about the left-hand side of that continuum as it being a problem-centered, deficit-centered focus, the right-hand side being an abundance focus, that is a focus on how can I close the gap between doing well and being spectacular, extraordinary. In organizations, um, I'm going to, when we come back, I'll tell you a specific organizational story quickly of an organization that said, we are fraught with problems. We have to downsize. We have enormous uh, financial pressure, but we are not going to be dominated by the problems. Instead, we're going to be dominated every, every morning. We're going to wake up saying, how can we focus on abundance gaps? Or in other words, go from good to spectacular. Not only great, meaning in Jim Collins' sense, not only just making more money, but how can we help people flourish? How can we help the organization create a legacy that's, uh, that would be impossible to achieve otherwise? That focus was the predictor or one of the major predictors, in helping an organization do what we refer to as making the impossible possible. That's actually the name of the book, Making the Impossible Possible. So really focusing on the future and how you can attain the, the vision that, you're, you're, um, you know, that you have for the organization and keeping everybody focused on that, even though they have these problems and hurdles to overcome. Exactly. Well, we're going to take a little break here, but when we get back, we're going to talk about the fourth element that helps to create positive leadership in organizations and ultimately improve your performance. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you dissatisfied with your current job or not earning what you need or deserve? If you're looking for a better job with better pay to enjoy a better life, go to BetterJobBetterLife.com and get our seven free videos that will jumpstart your future starting today. We'll teach you how to create a cycle of success with the right mindset and plan of action. Get the interview you want with a world-class resume. Make your references work for you and beat the competition. Network your way into the hidden job market for better jobs and faster placement. Research more effectively. The key to more job leads, stronger interviews, and higher pay. Turn your interview into an offer-winning performance. Get the money now by negotiating from strength. 
thousands have successfully used our proven techniques to make their dream job or career a reality. So grab our seven free videos that will transform your career. Go to BetterJobBetterLife.com. Listen for the right turn with J.J. O'Malley. It's an insider's look at America's fastest-growing motorsports series, the Grand Am Rolex Sports Car Series, presented by Crown Royal Cask Number 16. You'll hear about what happened last weekend and get a preview of what's coming up next. From the Rolex 24 at Daytona through Watkins Glen International, Mid-Ohio, Laguna Seca, right up to the championship at Homestead Miami Speedway. The Right Turn with J.J. O'Malley, broadcast live every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Power Up Motorsports Channel. Tune in to Patricia Raskin Positive Living on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This program brings you practical and inspiring principles for living a more authentic, engaging, and passionate life. Patricia's guests will give you a formula for connecting, giving, forgiving, and miraculous living. So tune in and call in to Patricia Raskin Positive Living Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. It's practical, positive solutions for a happy, empowered, and successful life the internet's number one talk station number one talk station voiceamerica.com you are listening to total career success with ken and cheryl dawson do you have a question or comment for the hosts about today's show? Please send an email to tcsonair at tcsworldwide.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. Ken and Cheryl here. We're with Kim Cameron, and we have talked about some incredible research. That last uh, comment that you made, uh, Kim, about the impact of positive energy being four times what the value of influence and knowledge is in creating uh, extraordinary performance just uh, was incredible to learn about. So if anyone is out there that's a doubter about the importance of being a positive leader, I think that should dispel it. And, Kim, one, one of the things that uh, I wanted to bring up in this last segment has to do with exactly that point. Uh, oftentimes when we get clients um, who in some cases are laid off or in some cases leave on their own. Many of them become entrepreneurs. They are excited, they're pumped, they have all the characteristics you're talking about, and they are very successful in their own right. And I now oftentimes get together with them and it's kind of a uh, get together with old friends who have become very successful. And one of the questions they always ask me I'd like your input on is, you know, it just makes more sense than anything that everyone who has the ability, talents, and strengths, and everyone does to achieve better job, better pay, better life, why doesn't everyone want to do it? And it's a question I continually struggle with. We're continually trying to bring people into the system in order to get to it. Your thoughts on why people don't, either don't want to or don't achieve better job, better pay, better life when they have the ability, talents, and skills to be able to do it? Sure. You know, it reminds me, Ken, of some research. Actually, it's an article reviewing research by a colleague of mine. This was about seven or eight years ago. The title of his article captured the conclusion. The title of the article is, Bad is Stronger Than Good. Now, what that means is, for example, if you walk into a room and somebody says, gee, can you look nice today? Somebody else says, gee, can you look nice today? A third person says, Ken, you look terrible. Are you feeling okay? Fourth person, can you look great? Fifth person, can you look great? 
question is, which piece of feedback do you pay attention to? And the answer is, well, most of it say, holy cow, what's wrong with me? Somebody thinks I look awful. That is, exposure to bad tends to create a stronger reaction in us than exposure to good. Now, there's psychologists will talk about a uh, survival instinct and so on, but the notion is, from the time we were tiny, literally in the crib, we learned, if you ignore the sense of falling, ignore loud noises, you know, ignore negative feedback, I mean, walk across the street outside your office building, ignore the sound of screeching tires, you know, life could be over. On the other hand, if you miss a pleasant experience, well, you know, I missed a little pleasure in life, but life's not over. So what's happened from the time we were tiny is we learned to pay attention to negative feedback. And as it turns out, we now are pretty good at it. That is, we tend to pay pay attention to problems more than positive. We tend to give negative feedback more than positive. We tend to be more sensitive to it. Now, what that means is, by way of implication, because that's a learned behavior over time, we have to make a conscious decision to be positive. That is, I'll tell you some research in just a minute, it has to do with positive communication, which Cheryl mentioned, but what we have to do is uh, actually emphasize the positive more than the negative, otherwise the negative tends to dominate our lives. So if we're not conscious about it, we tend to find ourselves um, little by little moving toward a negative attitude. So when we have a big, difficult situation arise in our lives, like getting fired or laid off, man, that is a big factor. That's the time more than ever that we need to pay attention to positive factors, gratitude journals, being around positive energizers, being a positive energizer, and so on. So your long-term solution for those that are listening relative to those who think they can but they're not really sure is what? Uh, there are tools and techniques that are very simple, starting with a gratitude journal, starting with being around people who inject positive energy. Let me tell you one, and I'll tell you a third, Ken, by, by describing some more research. We did a study at, in Ann Arbor where 60 top management came, teams came to Ann Arbor, and we simply asked them to do work their normal everyday work, but they did it in a room specially designed, surrounded by one-way mirrors. On the other side of the mirrors were graduate students coding the communication going on among these people, that is, these these, uh, top management teams. We categorized the organizations before they got there into high-performing, medium-performing, or low-performing based on productivity, customer satisfaction ratings, and also we had 360 ratings by the leaders' colleagues. So how good a leaders were they? If they scored above average in all those criteria, they were rated as high-performing. If they scored below average, they were rated as low-performing. Okay. So we had three categories, high, medium, and low-performing companies. One of the categories into which communication was coded was simply the number of positive statements made as they were doing their work relative to the number of negative statements. Now, what's a positive statement? Congratulatory, helpful, caring, supportive approval. A negative statement critical, undercutting, disparaging, negative, you know, disapproval. High-performing companies had an average of five positive statements for every negative statement. Low-performing companies had an average of three negative statements for every positive statement. 
Now, that five-to-one ratio has been argued by one of my colleagues, a psychologist, as being almost a universal criteria. That is, it happens over and over again. Let me give you, you one know, other study. Uh, we're going to we're getting uh, up on the close here, Kim, but I think it's a great note to end on because, I mean, that's proven over and over. Even public relations people say the same thing. You've got a five or six times to, of a positive something happening to overcome any negative that might have happened uh, in, in the news. So uh, I think we ought to give our news channels uh, a bit of advice here, too. But I want to remind everyone uh, that you can get our seven free videos uh, to help you get a better job for better pay at www.betterjobbetterlife.com. And, Kim, where can they access your book? Uh, access my book, of course, any any bookstore, uh, Amazon.com or the publisher is a Barrett Kohler publisher, but almost any bookstore has the book. Okay, great. I encourage everyone to get that. And we'll be with you next week with another great guest, so be sure to uh, join us. Kim, thank you very much, buddy. Thank you, Ken. Thank you, Cheryl. It's really a pleasure to talk to you. Take All care. Right, take Have care. a great wedding. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks again for joining us this week on Total Career Success with Ken and Cheryl Dawson. Remember to join us again next Monday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, here on the Voice America Variety Channel.